You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, good morning. It's good to walk in here and see so many smiles on people's faces. Do you know why I think that is? Because yesterday, Nebraska, Michigan, and Iowa all won convincingly, don't you think? Yeah. Now, my guess would be this. In the weeks to come, we might have to change that a little bit, especially if you're a Michigan fan, but that's just the reality of it. This morning, we're going to continue a series. In fact, we're going to bring it to a close. We've entitled Contagious Christianity. And here's what I thought I'd do. I want to give you a couple of questions that I want to ask you. And the first question is this. Here's the question number one. What is the biggest danger facing Sunnybrook Community Church in terms of its future? If you think about it for a moment and you see all of the exciting things that are going on, people that are coming, ministry that's being done in this community, if you think for a moment, where are we going to stumble and fall, what would you say? Well, from my perspective, it's not going to be a drift of our faith. We hold very closely to the truth of God's Word. We have eight essentials of the faith that are covered and blanketed in Scripture. We have godly elders that know the word of God and navigate through it all and make sure they keep us on a right godly course. I also don't think if we stumble and fall, it's going to be in the area of finances. All of you are incredibly gracious, sacrificial givers. And we manage the money here at Sunnybrook Community Church with incredible integrity. I also don't think if we stumble and fall, it's going to be an organizational drift. We have a clear organizational mission statement to seek those who don't know Jesus, grow those who do, and then send people back out into the world to make a difference for Christ. We do everything according to vision. We staff according to vision. We budget according to vision. We move out into this community according to the vision that God has given to us. I don't think it's going to be any of those things. If you were asking me where is the area that Sunnybrook Community Church could stumble and fall, I would say it would be a personal drift. And by that, I simply mean our hearts. That you and I eventually become so enamored with this place and all of the good things that are going on around us that we always say to ourselves, what's in it for me? And we forget about the statement that lost people matter to God and therefore they ought to matter to me as well. People, when Jesus gave marching orders, it wasn't just organizational marching orders, it was actually personal marching orders. When Jesus stood on the top of Mount Arbel, and many of you have been there, if you've traveled with me to Israel, you overlooked the Sea of Galilee. This was the place he told the disciples to go, and now he gave them their marching orders. When he said, here's what I want you to do, go into all of the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all I command you. And here's my promise. When you do that, my presence will go with you. Or come with me, if you will, to a place known as the Hill of Ascension. It's right behind the Mount of Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane is. I stood there one time, and you can almost hear the words of Jesus in Acts chapter 1 as he's about to ascend into heaven, and he says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. People, the reality is this. It's a personal call of God upon your life. 
And if I ask the first question, and that's simply this, what would be the biggest danger? The second question I want to ask is this, are you on mission? Because the mission that God has called us to reach this lost world for the gospel and the sake of Jesus Christ is actually a very personal one. And I'm convinced that Sunnybrook Community Church could be a big church where a lot of people come to, giving and finances and a lot of outreach in this community, and yet you and I still miss the mission that God has called us to. Because the reality is the soft and tender heart before him that he's called us to make a difference in terms of reaching people who are far from him. It's one of the reasons we're walking through this series together we've entitled Contagious Christianity. And we started by reminding ourselves that the heart of God is much like a shepherd that has 100 sheep and he loses one and he leaves the 99 in order to follow And we reminded ourselves that that's the heart of God. That ought to be the heart of followers of God as well. And then we took a look at three steps. We said the first step is this. We've got to develop a relationship with people who are far from God. And again, reminded ourselves nobody's a project. But where I have common likes and interests, maybe I like to golf and I meet up with a golf buddy. I get outside of my holy huddle of just hanging around with Christians and I find somebody far from God, but they enjoy golf and I build a genuine relationship with them. And then when there comes that opportunity that God opens the door, now I'm going to share a verbal witness and we talked about that together last week. And I gave you an example of a possibility that you could share with regards to the bridge illustration, often drawn on a napkin, maybe in a restaurant. It's a simple way to be able to explain your faith, how you go from life or death to life. And we reminded ourselves each week that we're to practice this, walk through this. In fact, I got an email this week by a young lady who actually been bringing somebody to church, and they went to lunch afterwards, and they walked through the bridge illustration together, and then eventually... The other lady could tell the other person wasn't really tracking with her, so she said, can I ask you a question? Have you ever received Christ as your Savior? Ever walked across this bridge? She said, to be quite honest with you, I haven't. I never really fully understood it. She said, would you like to receive Christ now? And she did. They prayed together to receive Christ as their Savior there in that restaurant. They had no idea this was just an exercise. It wasn't actually supposed to work, but this person went from death to life with just simply an explanation of the gospel as she shared this verbal witness. And now this morning, we're coming to step number three. And step number three is simply this. We're to invite them to church. Now, the question of that becomes this. Well, why? Well, for some of you, it's a rather easy thing to do, isn't it? You're outgoing. You're rather gregarious. You not only can lead people to faith in Jesus Christ, but you can disciple them to maturity in him as well. But the truth of the matter is that's not most of us. Most of us need a team of people around us, resources, people that can answer questions, ministries that are going to come alongside of us. It's one of the reasons you and I need the body of Christ. And it's one of the reasons that some 19 years ago, some of the leaders of this church gathered together and said, listen, we got to see more people come to Christ. We haven't seen enough adult baptisms. We haven't seen enough people coming to these doors far from God, yielding and surrendering their lives to Christ. So we literally began to change everything we did in this ministry. And we started at that point in time what was known as a seeker-sensitive service. We changed the music. We changed the way we preached the messages. We changed how we used multimedia, all of those things, because we were convinced this was how we would best reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People, listen, if playing an organ and wearing choir robes reach people best with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'd do it tomorrow. 
But we decided in our culture, in our day and age, that maybe that wasn't the best way to do things. We began to study our culture. And like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 who said, to the Greek I became a Greek, to the Jew I became a Jew, in order that I might win some. I tried to identify with my brother the best that I possibly can, in no way compromising the truth of God's word, but I tried to get to know him, to be like him in hopes that I might lead him to Jesus. People, that's what we've been trying to do for the last 19 years together. Try to make this a part of your evangelistic toolbox where you build a relationship with an unchurched person. When God opens the door, you share a verbal witness, and then you invite him to a church. A church like this that is open and easy for seekers to come in. Now, here's the great delusionment with regards to seeker services, and that's this. If you just simply build one, they will come. Do you remember the movie Field of Dreams? Some of you were probably there just a few months ago. The Cubs or the White Sox actually played the Yankees walk-off home run. It was a magical game. But do you remember the movie? In the movie it would say this, if you build it, they will come. And often we think if we just have great music and preaching and multimedia, if we just make it open to seekers, if we have a seeker-sensitive service, people will just come, seekers by the droves. People, that's not true. They will not come unless you invite them. It has to be a part of your evangelistic toolbox where first of all, you're building relationships with unchurched people. When God opens the door, I'm gonna share a verbal witness. And the third step is this, that I'm gonna invite them to church. You know this, but let me just remind you, seekers are not sitting home on a Sunday morning going, you know what, I'll get in my car, I'll drive through the city. If I find a seeker service, I'm gonna go to that. And they end up driving home because they didn't find one. In all honesty, they don't care. They haven't given God a thought. They're not looking for a seeker-sensitive service. What they're looking for is a relationship with somebody like you. And if you and I can build a relationship with an unchurched person, one day share a verbal witness, then part of your toolbox is this, we can finally invite them to church. Now what's fascinating to me is many of the people who kind of do these services in terms of being open to seekers don't understand that. Whenever I've taught on this subject at other churches, they say to me, if I just had good music, if we just had good preaching, if we just had multimedia, people would come. They won't. Unless you can get your congregation to somehow develop relationships with unchurched people, to share a verbal witness, and then invite them to church, the reality is people are never going to come. They come by way of invitation. Now, you may not realize this, but I did some stats here this past week. On an average, Sunnybrook Community Church has about 20 visitors per week. If you drill down into their stories, and I often do this in the new members class, hey, what brought you here? They don't say it was a slick motion, uh, a social media campaign. They don't say that they watched it on television and they wanted to show up. They don't say they saw the music and they saw the preaching and they just thought they needed to be there. Do you know what almost every single one of them says? Somebody invited me. My neighbor invited me. My friend invited me. A coworker of mine invited me. Because hear me on this, and this is a principle I want to drill home, and that's simply this. Christianity is an invitation-dependent faith. Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is an invitation-dependent faith. Sunnybrook Community Church is an invitation-dependent church. 
Now, if you don't believe me, let me spell that out to you biblically. If you go to John chapter 1 and you just simply trace the way the gospel works here, it literally went from person to person. The scripture begins in verse 40 of John chapter 1 when it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. And the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, eventually going to be known as Peter, and tell him, we have found the Messiah. He was so excited, jazzed up about what Jesus had done in his life, he couldn't wait to be able to tell his brother. Scripture goes on the next day. Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, Jesus said to him, follow me. And Philip found Nathanael because now Philip is a believer. He finds Nathanael and he told him, we have found the one whom Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, come and see, said Philip. Do you remember it was actually Nathanael that said to him, hey, listen, can anything good come from Nazareth? I know the town of Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And Philip responds to him, well, come and see. Christianity in Sunnybrook Community Church needs to be a come and see church. There's something that the Spirit of God is doing in our midst in my own life, and he's transformed me. Could you come and see? I want to invite you because I think the Spirit of God may be speaking to you as well. Is it possible that you could simply come and see? George Barnard did some research, and here's what he found. He researched all kinds of people who were far from God, seekers, if you will, that hadn't stepped foot in church and asked them this simple question. If a believer would invite you to church, how many of you would go? Do you know what the stat was? 25% of them would go one out of four. Listen, that's much better than I did in my dating days. One out of four. Can you imagine how that would revolutionize this world if you and I would invite and one out of four would say yes? If we live in the United States of America with 35, 350 million people, that's probably 75, 80 million people that are one invitation away from starting a journey toward Christ. Let's take it a little bit closer to home. If Sioux City is a city of about 100,000 people, stats say that about 60,000 of them don't have a church home. In all honesty, I think it's more like 80,000. But that means there's between 15 to 20,000 people within the sound of Sioux City, Iowa, that simply with an invitation from you can begin this journey toward God. People, is it possible that God is pushing us out more and more to make an impact in this community? Is it possible that God is calling us in greater and greater ways to take his great commission seriously? And can I be honest with you on the negative side of things? You know what happens if you don't, don't you? They did some research on one denomination in the United States of America. It used to be the largest denomination in the United States of America. They asked their people this question on an average. How many people do you invite to church per year? Do you know what the entire church responded? Less than one. Now listen, not every individual in that church, every church is averaging less than one invite per year year. It's one of the reasons for the past three decades that denomination has been on a steady decline. People, the same could happen here. 
If you and I don't recognize that it's not enough that we have this great church, it's not enough that we have good ministries, it's not enough that a lot of people are coming here and we're financially sound, what matters is this, is God has called us to make a difference in this community, to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you and I got to be committed to it. And we got to pray, God, could you give me a heart for the lost of this world? My greatest fear is when Sunnybrook Community Church continues to do good things that somehow you and I would become inwardly focused and care only about ourselves, and somehow you and I would lose a passion for the lost. So in this series together, we've talked about, hey, listen, could you build a relationship with an unchurched person? Could you find some sort of common ground with them? Get outside of your holy huddle and find somebody far from God and build a genuine relationship with them. And then when God opens the door, you're not going to force yourself on anybody, but when God opens the door, maybe you can share, hey, this is the difference that Jesus made in my life. Maybe you can make the same difference in your life. And then finally, you're going to invite them to church. Now, let me give you some principles on this today. I'm going to give you four principles for inviting people to church. Principle number one would be this, never say no for anyone. You know, many of us say no for some people. Listen, they'd never be open. Do you notice Jesus in the New Testament never said no for anyone? The religious people often did. They said no for the prostitutes. They said no for the lepers. They said no for the tax collectors. Jesus never said no for anyone. In fact, he often moved closer toward them. I told you a story last week about a man by the name of Roy who actually was a known atheist in our community in the Chicagoland area. His wife came to our church, but he was an absolute pain in the neck. And he was causing all sorts of problems with our staff, with our ministry, just constantly calling out different things, being sort of this one who got under your skin. And eventually I thought to myself, listen, I'm going to meet with him. And I want you to know, I didn't meet with him because I wanted somehow to lead him to Christ. I wanted to meet with him just to shut him up. So I began to meet with him, and sure enough, God began to work. He softened his heart, and eventually there came that moment when I prayed with Roy to receive Christ as Savior and Lord of his life. And I told you last week, he's a lay preacher to this day. Do you know I almost, and maybe in some respects, already did said no to Roy? Is it possible there's some people in your life that you've said no to? Is it possible there's that person that annoys everybody in your workplace that you've said no to? Is it possible that this neighbor that is sort of this recluse that doesn't talk to anybody, and when he does, it's not nice, and you've said no to them? Is there somebody within your family that's always antagonizing you with regards to your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you said no to them? Because one of the principles of the New Testament, I'm convinced of it, is this. Never say no to anyone. You have no idea when tragedy may strike their life. You have no idea when the Spirit of God may soften their heart. You have no idea how your friendship may be the only one that they have. And when they come to that moment of crisis, they maybe want to know, how do you make it through? So first of all, I would say this. Never say no for anyone. And then secondly, I'd say this. In order to invite somebody to church, you've got to put yourselves yourselves in the shoes of the other person. You may not realize this because you come here every single Sunday, but this is a very intimidating place to come to. I actually followed a couple several weeks ago that was making their way in the back door. And I remember I was walking behind them. They had no idea that I was behind them. They came in. They looked back, and it was all full. They looked forward, and it was all full. And they looked at each other and go, let's get out of here. You could tell they were just incredibly nervous, and you and I often forget this is an intimidating place to come. So every time you invite somebody, I want you to think like they would. 
What do they need in order to come in here? What do they need in order to sit through this service? What do they need for the Spirit of God to begin to work on their heart? I saw this in spades when I traveled to India with Mission India several years ago. We decided one morning we were actually going to go to a Hindu worship service. Just wanted to see what it was all about. So we arrive there, and nobody kind of gives you instructions as to what you're to do. There's just some unspoken things. It felt very seeker hostile to me. So I walk in. I'm brand new to this, and I notice everybody is removing their shoes, and they just throw them off to the side. And I'm thinking to myself, do I have to remove my shoes? What kind of a system do they have for keeping track of my shoes? I mean, I don't want to go home with Hindu shoes. You can recognize that, can't you? Finally, my buddy Todd poked me and said, listen, everybody in here is under five, six tall. Your size 14s are not going to be taken by anybody, buddy. (laughs) But I just remember feeling to myself, boy, if you don't know the rules, this is a pretty hard place to enter into. So I want to remind you to put yourself in the shoes of somebody that you're inviting. If you invite them, I would encourage you, go pick them up. Get them at their house, drive them, walk them into the parking lot, walk them into church, show them everything, sit alongside them, explain them things that are going on. On the way out, maybe in the lobby, you can introduce them to a few people and then take them back to your car. And then here's what I would encourage you to do, take them out for lunch afterwards. It's going to give you an opportunity to debrief, talk about the service. What did you like? What didn't you like? What was a barrier for you? And you have an opportunity to sort of debrief together. Now, I want to say this because I know there's a lot of Dutch people here. Who pays the bill at that? Yeah, I stumbled with this question the first time, too. You do. Pay the bill. Thank them for coming. Invest in their life in whatever way that you possibly can. And listen, recognize some people are going to reject you. Go, listen, thank you very much, but I'm never coming again. I get that. You recognize, don't you, that Jesus on the face of the earth went, all, went through all sorts of rejection in his own life. You and I got to be strong enough to say, listen, we believe in this so much that we're willing to forsake some of the rejection that's going on. And then thirdly, I would say this, you're going to invite people to church, you've got to recognize this is a process, not a one-time event. Often people say, well, I invited my neighbor to church and they said no, so I checked that off and I'm done. People, this is a process. Barna said in order to get somebody to step across the line of faith, it often takes between seven and eight touches of somebody who knows Christ as their Savior, seven or eight. Think about that for a moment. When I was on an evangelism team with Wheaton College, and I've told you this story before, eventually we came to this girl at the end of the day who was sitting over there, we walked up to her, we just introduced ourselves, and she said to us, you're Christians, aren't you? We said, how in the world did you know that? She said, everywhere I've been this summer, I've run into believers, and I told myself the next person that explained the gospel to me, I'm going to receive Christ as my Savior, and she did. Listen, we were just the last people to be able to touch her and be used by God, but there were all sorts of touches along the way. People, I don't know if you're the first touch or the last touch that allows them to come to faith in Jesus Christ, but every touch is important. That's why I said to you last week, listen, if you can't pick the fruit, don't bruise it. Every touch in the kingdom of God is critical to leading somebody to step across that line of faith. And then lastly, I want you to see this. You've got to be creative in what you invite them to. Meaning this, you know the person better than anybody else. You know if they like big crowds or small groups. You know if they would be comfortable with you or without you. 
You know if they're early morning people, if they're late night people, invite them to something that fits who they are. Maybe they'd love to come to a big worship service like this. Maybe they'd love to just have anonymity as they walk through the service together. That's a great thing to invite them to. But if they don't, because they're a little bit more introverted, they've got a need in their life, invite them to your small group. Maybe you want to invite them to a special, maybe they've gone through a divorce and you're going to invite them to divorce care. Maybe they're going through a struggle with an addiction in their life and you're going to invite them to celebrate recovery. Maybe they lost a loved one and you're going to invite them to grief share. All of these ministries are starting in the week to come. Figure out what it is best for them and invite them to that. Now here's how I want to close this morning. I want to remind you this is all about your heart. You know that, don't you? I'm convinced when my heart is right before God, the reality is I have a heart for the lost of this world and I want to be used by God in the midst of that. So can you, much like me, begin to pray, God, could you change my heart? Maybe there's a chair that's open next to you this morning and you're going to begin to pray, God, I got a neighbor, I got a friend, I got a loved one that desperately needs to know Christ and I want to pray that they would fill this chair right here. Maybe you want to pray for an entire row as you work toward the Christmas season. You're going to invite them all to our Christmas service. Whatever it might be, could you pray, God, could you begin to change my heart? Because here's what we don't see, and I don't know why he does this, because he can do ministry without us, but God in his sovereignty allows us to be used and there is no greater joy. You are a critical part of the gospel of Jesus Christ going out into this community and leading people to faith. But it starts with building a relationship with an unchurched person. It moves towards this idea of sharing a verbal witness. Here's the difference Jesus had made for me and then eventually inviting them to church. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.